This Dharma talk was recorded at Prairie Mountain Zen Center in Longmont, Colorado. Yeah. Okay, um, so this morning I'm going to be talking about um, the last paragraph of the Fukan Sazengi, or Rules for Meditation by Ehei Dogen. Um, through, throughout this, his description of how to meditate correctly, there are many, many references to other works. And sometimes we kind of just, you know, go through it without really understanding what he's trying to get at. So in looking at this last paragraph, uh, I'm also offering different teachers' perspectives on it. Um, Jodo shared with me his favorite translation of that paragraph, and I'll show it to you here. I'm going to uh, share the screen. So it says, please, honored followers of Zen, long accustomed to groping for the elephant, do not be suspicious of the true dragon. Devote your energies to a way that directly indicates the absolute. Revere the person of complete attainment who is beyond all human agency. Gain accord with the enlightenment of the Buddhas. Succeed to the legitimate lineage of the ancestors' samadhi. Constantly perform in such a manner, and you are being assured of being a person such as they. Your treasure house will open of itself, and you will use it at will. Well, there's a lot there, isn't there? <laughs> Not exactly... Uh, uh, all very clear. Uh, so what I'm going to do is uh, we're going to look at just the first sentence because it actually um, talks about two uh, fo ancient folktales. Um, and by the way, Jodo's um, translation is used by several other teachers, uh, Senryu Suzuki, Norman Fisher, uh, Joshua Pat Phelan, to name a few that I will uh, borrow from their works later. Uh, several different translations of the Fukan Sazengi are available on the Upaya website. So it's very helpful. You can just scroll through to see what other people are, are uh, getting out of it. So we have uh, two ancient folk tales, uh, ones that would have been familiar to Dogen's audience. So let's explore these. I bet there's some people here that already know about the one uh, groping for the elephant. Does anyone, would anyone like to offer their uh, understanding of that, groping for the elephant? Is that the seven blind men with the elephant? Yes, yes it is. One, uh, I think four of them think it's like a tree trunk who've grabbed a leg. One think it's like a rough snake who's grabbed the tail. Uh, another one has the trunk and so forth in the ears. So each of them has a very different impression of what the elephant is like because they've only seen a tiny piece of it. Right, right. So why is Dogen putting this in here for us to, to pay attention to? Um, uh, it's, uh, um, it's about, it says we're long accustomed to groping for the elephant. We're long accustomed for trying to intellectually understand why we're here, what we're doing. The elephant itself in India is a symbol of great wisdom. So we're trying to understand great wisdom with maybe partial understanding or, or maybe a one-sided point of view. Um, 
uh, Joshua Pat Phelan says, we cannot see the whole of the situation or appreciate the true reality. Uh, another uh, female teacher, Roshi Wendy Agyokanako, the Zen Center of Los Angeles writes, don't blindly search around for partial answers to your human dilemma as you have been doing all this time. It's like, okay, we're intellectually trying to think our way through the whole picture, but we can't. So we just go for what we can see. And of course it's not correct. It's not the full picture. So why do we keep trying to do this? <laughs> it's really, I think what Dogen is trying to get to, it's only through our zazen that we can allow wisdom to come to us rather than trying to grope around for bits and pieces that we think we can understand intellectually or accommodate. It's not about us going after it. It's about allowing it to be acknowledged within us. Dogen Zenji finishes the sentence by saying, don't be suspicious of the true dragon. Alrighty, <laughs> what's he talking about here? Uh, in Chinese Zen, the dragon symbolizes the enlightened one seeking the pearl of wisdom. You may have seen images or statues that represent this. Uh, there's even, uh, I found out yesterday, uh, dragon robe fabric, <laughs> which was made in China. And it, you know, you can see this dragon sporting after this flaming jewel. Uh, Pat Phelan says in Zen, a dragon can be used as a metaphor for Zazen or for the enlightened person. And it also refers to a story about a man named Seiko who lived in early China, who loved dragons. So does anyone else know about, <laughs> we have Gene holding up his dragon. <laughs> does anyone else um, have a, a sense of what that story is about? Have you read about it or heard about it from someone else? Okay, nobody else is going to talk. Okay, uh, just offering. Okay, uh, Seiko, uh, well, in Indian, in Asian mythology, uh, dragons are, uh, live underwater in palaces and swim through the water in the clouds up in the sky. Uh, they make rain and they are considered a symbol of good fortune. Uh, Seiko, this man collected paintings and carvings of dragon, which were displayed throughout his home. Um, he just, he was just had this thing about dragons and he was always, you know, talking about them and, you know, how mysterious they were and oh. on and on. And uh, so the, as the story goes, hearing of this man's love for dragons, one day a real dragon descended from the sky to visit him. But when the real dragon appeared, the man was terrified. He didn't know what to do. He didn't expect it. Uh, he didn't even maybe even recognize that it was a real dragon. And uh, he just ended up putting away all of his dragon things and uh, giving some stuff away and, and basically forgetting about the whole thing. And, and maybe, maybe he was quite humbled as well. Well, Seiko had a concept about what a dragon should be. When he experienced one, it didn't fit his concept. What might this suggest to us? 
dare we look at our own concepts? Perhaps we have ideas of how Zazen should go or what we're supposed to get out of it. This phrase is a reminder to accept things as they are and not to doubt the truth when it presents itself. Uh, Yuko Kanef, who is um, a Katagiri lineage uh, transmitted master, uh, he started the Detroit Zen Center, uh, says that this story is from the Shinshi Ryaku. Now, I have not been able to find any references to this uh, text, but I assume he knows what he's talking about. <laughs> uh, so, Dragon, excuse me, Dogen used this as a metaphor for the situation in Japan at that time. This is what Yuko is saying. When the true transmission of the Dharma had only been partial, yet it had seemed authentic and real to the practitioners because they never encountered the true Dharma. He encouraged them, now that the true Dharma had arrived, not to doubt it. In other words, Dogen had encouraged them. When you have a chance to grasp the true dragon in full, total spiritual practice, do it. Well, how do you do that? One must investigate deeply and verify within oneself what that truth is. It's there. Kanif again says, verify for yourself. The next sentence, devote your energies to a way that directly indicates the absolute. And what way is that? Sitting still and allowing yourself to just be, to just be present and alert. You don't have to do anything else. Revere the person of complete attainment who is beyond all human agency. Gain accord with the enlightenment of the Buddhas, succeed to the legitimate lineage of the ancestors' samadhi. Well, I was always taken aback by that first sentence. Revere the person of complete attainment who is beyond all human agency. I'm thinking, I don't know anybody like that. But you know, you do know when someone has attained a level of commitment and experience. When they're talking, you can feel it. You can sense it in every action, every word they speak. It just kind of flows out of them. Many of the speakers we have had the privilege of hearing because of uh, Cliff's generous uh, treatment of us in allowing us to hear these people are people like that. Dogen doesn't need to tell us to revere them. This is rather a reminder to us that if they can do it, maybe we can too. He is again encouraging us to sit Zazen, to accept the teachings of those who have gone before us. And what's the result? Constantly perform in such a manner and you are assured of being a person such as they. In the book, Sounds of Valley Streams by Francis Cook, he said, Dogen was not so concerned with one-time enlightenment, which presumably continues on to pervade all subsequent experience, as he was with a strenuous effort to evoke an enlightened response with each fresh occasion. That's interesting. 
enlightenment doesn't just happen in one flash and then it's over. And, you know, that's a, maybe a misunderstanding I had early on. I, I was reading stories from various sources of what were called enlightenment experiences. And it sounded like, oh, well, you just have this one big blast of something happening and that's it. It's over. You're, you're enlightened. But now that I've been practicing for a period of time, I find that's not true. The backstory is those folks then, then, if they had some experience like this, spent years, sometimes their whole lives, deepening their experience and appreciation. So in Dogen Zen, once is not enough. We have to live enlightenment, rediscovering and reconnecting with boundless mind, boundless heart, moment after moment. And it is a discovery, a discovery of self and other, of connections, of what might be called interdependence, or oneness, stability, spaciousness, penetrating awareness. These are some of the gifts of Zazen and they are great gifts that liberate the mind. They are beyond the thinking mind. Well, beyond, that sounds, uh, we have thinking mind with us all the time, right? I have a very active brain, it's always busy. When I sit for Zazen, I have to remind myself to tell my brain, it's time to take a break now. I'll take care of you. I appreciate you very much. I need you very much. But right now, I'm allowing you to take a break. Nothing is going to happen here that you need to be concerned about. When I'm done here, I'll get back to you. But for now, just take a break. And I sit a little bit and it usually works. If something does come up, I allow it. But I also make a mental note to come back to that when I'm sitting, time is over. And then I just sit, I just be alert, awaiting the next moment. I don't have to focus on anything. I allow my mind to rest. And in that rest, one can be still and know. Your treasure store will open of itself and you will use it at will. This is his final statement. What's the treasure store? What is that? Norman Fisher says, your treasure store of your heart. Of your heart. He goes on to say that it may be locked up. It may be closed off due to circumstances of one's life. But through Zazen, it will open of its own without you having to find a key, without banging on it to get it to open. Your heart will open of itself and you will use it at will. Tayun Fare of Kanshoji, excuse me, Kanshoji says, and this is interesting, for the survival of humanity, one who forgets even for a moment, the I, the me, the mine, and returns to sublime solitude, this one, manifest the true form of spiritual awakening. Jeffrey Shugan Arnold of New York City Zen Center says, the door is open. There's no need to stay in the entranceway. Please step in. It's your own chamber. This treasury, which is you yourself, opens of its own. May we all enjoy it freely. I have shared with you several teachers' impressions 
uh, and thoughts about this last chapter of Dogen's Fukan Zazengi. Perhaps in this, you have remembered a thought of something you might like to share. So I'd kind of like to open it up now uh, after my rather short talk, which is supposed to be supposed to be really good <laughs> to uh, have people uh, just, you know, if you have something to say, let's, let's get, get with it. Let's, let's talk. You've been listening to a Dharma talk from Prairie Mountain Zen Center in Longmont, Colorado. To learn more about us or to make a donation, visit us at prairiemountain.org.